Hello, everybody. Brian Decker here with another episode of Dollars with Decker. I wanted to kind of step away from a little bit of what we've been talking about in previous episodes to really focus on some really poignant things that are at the front of my mind, specifically relating to what's happening here in America with the infrastructure bill, as well as some pretty crazy things in the cryptocurrency markets. In this episode, I'm going to be covering everything from the supply and demand trade of Bitcoin and why it is truly the absolute best trade for profit in all of human history, in my opinion. What has basically been happening now, Ethereum with its long-awaited London hard fork through the EIP-1559 and what to be expected for Ethereum price, both in the short term and the long term. Not just only my predictions, but some of the greats that have had a consistent proven record of proving themselves that they will actually be able to truly predict the price based on both technical levels as well as fundamentals. And lastly, I'm going to be really focusing in on this crazy new $2 trillion infrastructure bill, what the problems it proposes, why cryptocurrency is at the forefront of what is an infrastructure bill, which don't get me even started on that. You'll have to stay tuned for that. And some of the crazy stuff that's been snuck in this infrastructure bill. So Without any further ado, let's get going um, for you guys. And so as many of you guys that have been following the cryptocurrency market, we saw after the Bitcoin halving, which took place about 14 months ago, we saw Bitcoin run up from about $6,000 to $64,000 within roughly uh, a period of about 11 months, um, which was some pretty crazy gains. And then we saw basic huge capitulation or giant sell-off right in the middle of uh, May. Um, and I know in just my crypto accounts, the you know million dollars or so I initially invested, you know, over a quick 18 month period of time was, you know, went up to $5.5 million, made a you know, five and a half X return, only to then go ahead and see that being cut down by about 55%. Still at no given point was I ever lower than doubling my money, but I held true and I held strong and I'm very glad that I did because I want to explain something for everybody. So. One of the great things about Bitcoin, and if you yourself are not a believer like I was, and you are super skeptical, I want you guys to think about this. What if I told you that I could look into the future and I could tell you that the price of gold is going to be going up anywhere between 2 and 10x at a predetermined time in history because I knew exactly when a huge amount of gold was going to be pulled off and burned and disappeared and there would never be that gold to ever occur again. And I also could tell you, I know without a shadow of a doubt how much gold is in this world. I know that there is X number of tons of gold and that is all that will ever exist in all of mankind. And I knew exactly when more gold was going to be found and or when gold was going to be pulled off this planet and thrown into outer space to never be in our supply again. You would think I would have a pretty good idea about how I could predict the price of gold, right? If I knew exactly when a gigantic you know, amount of gold would be discovered and you had that additional supply going on the market, you would say, wow, there's a lot more gold on the market. Therefore, the price is probably going to go down since there's more in supply. Or if there was a lot of gold to just all of a sudden be pulled off of the market, never to return to the market again, therefore reducing supply, you would say, wow, the gold price would likely go up, right? And what if I knew the exact date and times that those were going to occur? You would 
as an individual say, wow, man, that'd be pretty sweet. You can probably make a lot of money. Well, welcome to the world of Bitcoin, guys. And this is what Bitcoin does. We know without a shadow of a doubt, because it's been programmed, that only 21 million Bitcoin will ever be existed. I know right now, every single day, 900 Bitcoin will move into the supply of circulation. Every single day through Bitcoin mining, we are now you know, just under 19 million Bitcoin that are currently have been put into supply. We know that there will only be 21 million ever. And I also know that once every four years, the amount of Bitcoin released every single day into the market is cut in half through a pre-programmed halving when we reach a certain number of blocks. So that 900 Bitcoin that is being put into the market every single day right now by miners verifying transactions on the blockchain network, I know that at some period in time and about three years from now, there's only going to be 450 put in every day, right? And by knowing these numbers, and knowing that exactly when supply is going to be cut down, how much supply is being into the market and what demand is doing, I can make an unbelievable trade. And I have, which is why I myself purchased an insane amount of Bitcoin right before the halving that occurred last year and allowing me to 5x my money. And I know with 100% certainty in three years that the point at what Bitcoin is at three years from now in terms of price to where Bitcoin will will rise within six to 12 months after that will be an exponential factor. And I can play this supply and demand trade like a fiddle and make millions of dollars. And I know through crazy things like what the Federal Reserve is doing, which we have gone ahead and we are now eight and a half trillion dollars on our balance sheet with a continued printing of money and running a massive, massive deficit our deficit, to give you an idea, just last year alone, we brought in about $3.5 trillion of revenue in the United States, and we spent about $6.5 trillion. That means we overspent by $3 trillion. Now, I know COVID was last year, but let me just tell you, COVID, yes, added to the factor, but we have been, whether you're Republican or Democrat, we have been overspending for decades, causing the future generations of our world today to rip their wealth away from them. Think of it this way. When my grandfather's dad passed away and he had $500,000 that he left to his son, my grandfather, that $500,000 that he left him, let's say in 1970, when he died, that $500,000, if my grandfather just left it in his bank account, guess what? He maybe will have $510,000 today. Well, that $510,000 today, at the crappy interest rate he gets paid, Guess what? That 500 grand cannot buy him the same $500,000 worth of things that it does today that it did when he died 40 something years ago or 50 years ago, right? Why? Because inflation is eating away at our wealth. Meaning this, when we die and the money we leave to our children and we put that in a cash US dollar form, when our kids just, if they keep it in that form, in the US dollar form that we leave them to them in, guess what? That money that we leave to them that at the time that we die, can probably provide them a pretty good life. Guess what? 30 years down the road, that money we left them ain't going to buy them crap. Why? Because the federal government keeps printing money and that money leads to inflation because it devalues our dollar. When you do not bring in more revenue as a company, but you issue more shares of stock over and over and over again, Without adding to the revenue, those shares are worth less and less and less. Well, welcome to fiat currency in the United States dollar. Ever since we've been pulled off hard money with the gold standard, governments have been allowed to just print their way out of 
you know, pretty much print their way out of debt by just printing debt and buying debt, putting it on the balance sheet. And us as consumers are the ones that feel that pain. Thus, why something like Bitcoin or even gold again of some type of standard that needs to be held to these individuals to be accountable so that our future generations do not keep getting ripped away of the wealth that we are trying to leave them. Now, let's put into the world of this infrastructure bill that is being put out. And for those of you guys that are just joining me, I am not an individual that hates the government. I am a patriot. I love America. My family has been here since the revolution. I have one of those cool little certificates that say the grandsons and the granddaughters of the revolution. My family has been here since the late 1600s. Now, I don't say that to be prideful or anything, but I have a love for this country that has been ingrained in me since I have been a child. I fly our American flag, but I also understand regardless of being a Republican, a Democrat, a liberal, a conservative, We've all screwed up of those in government and they're not being held accountable for it. And us as the everyday Americans are being paid and we are being taxed through the nastiest tax of all of mankind, which is inflation that is eating away at our wealth, which has allowed me to understand where cryptocurrency has come into play as a hard asset. And that hard asset now, and what we have called is our infrastructure bill, which we all say, oh, this is so cool, an infrastructure bill. I know we have all these potholes. I need these roads. And as, a, as an oversight, I definitely agree. I think that, you know, as an infrastructure, but we do need to do it. And it's being proposed that we're going to have this $2 trillion infrastructure bill, right? Basically over the next eight years, this is going to be awesome. Shifting our stuff from a greener energy, going in and rebuilding it. So I wanted to kind of give you guys an idea of what's actually been in this bill. So what we're going to say is I'm going to break it down for you guys. So $621 billion. So to give you guys an idea, you know, there's Roughly in America right now, the amount of individuals that we have living here today, I believe is somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, roughly, I believe around 300 million people. Okay. So at about that 300 million people, they're spending $621 billion. So you just, that alone, just imagine how many dollars that is for every individual that's obviously living here, right? So you get $300 billion. So you're looking at roughly in the ballpark range of what is that? 20, about 20 dollars per person we're spending on transportation. This is to improve our roads, bridges, railways, other types of things. So 621 billion. Okay. Well, what about there's 2 trillion. So what happened to the, you know, approximately other 1. Point, you know, roughly, you know, what is that? 1.4 trillion dollars more. So 621 dollars is going to roads and bridges, which all sounds pretty good. Okay, that's cool. Now we're going to basically kind of look and say okay, about 80 billion dollars going to fix Amtrak and railways. You know, we got $400 billion going to home care services and workforce. So that's $400 billion to bolster caregiving for the aged and disabled Americans, you know, help with Medicare, Medicaid, all of that 400 billion. Why that's in the infrastructure bill, who knows, but we're going to call it the infrastructure bill is, you know, is anyways. Then on top of that, we got $300 billion going towards manufacturing, you know, to basically boosting manufacturing. $50 billion of money would be invested in semiconductor manufacturing. $30 billion go to medical manufacturing. So we say, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, we got another $213 billion towards building and renovating and retrofitting, you know, 2 million homes and housing units across the United States, which we do 100% have that problem, basically to rehabilitate about 500,000 homes across the U.S., okay? Then we got $180 billion towards research and development, leading to critical technologies, you know, basically going ahead and, you know, trying to make us once again a forefront, about $111 billion going to rebuild the county's, you know, the country's water infrastructure, $100 billion towards schools, another $100 billion towards digital infrastructure, $100 billion towards workforce development, 
you know, $18 billion towards hospitals, you guys, so forth. And how they plan to basically pay it was they don't plan to raise enough money to pay for it, but he's going to raise the corporate tax to 28% up from 21, which let me just tell you right now with the way the economy is going, it's not like these companies are just going to be able to take that. They're going to be having to let people go, which is going to then just further the entire problem. He also wants to raise minimum tax, you know, across the country, you know, basically tax book income, corporate investors, basically all the things he's done. Okay. So, right. So that sounds good, right? You're like, okay, from face value, here's all the things that you don't realize that are in the infrastructure bill that nobody is talking about. 10, okay, and, and I want you guys to understand these numbers, okay? Think about it this way. A billion dollars is something that every man in the world strives to hit. The ultimate epitome of wealth. If you become a billionaire, not only are you, but your families, 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 generations all down the line will be taken care of for the rest of their lives as long as somebody doesn't screw up. And that's a billion dollars, right? A hundred million dollars, right, will completely change an entire city, right? If you get a hundred billion dollar investment in a city, it's a lot of money. That affects a lot of people. So the numbers, when you put them in a two trillion dollar bill, makes them sound small. What's 10 billion of you know, two, two trillion. That's not that much at all. That's not that big of a deal, right? That's such a small percentage of that. Cause if you think about it, right? You got $1 billion. Okay. To have a trillion dollars, you got to have a thousand, $1 billion, right? So you're basically looking at it. One, two hundredth of the bill are some of these things. You're like, Oh, who cares? It's one, two, but that's the whole point of how screwed up politics are. They can know they can sneak in these massive amounts of money. And it's like, Oh, whatever. It's not that big of a part of it. So listen to some crazy crap that's being put in there. $10 billion to create a civilian climate corp. This is basically to put a new and diverse generation of Americans to work in reviewing company resilience and advancing environmental justice throughout the United States. We're spending $10 billion to create a group of individuals to advance environmental justice. What if we just took the $10 billion and actually put it into planting and reinvesting in the actual you know, environment. No, $10 billion to create a civilian climate corp. 10 billion. Okay. Gets better. $20 billion for an advanced racial equality and environmental justice league. Okay. This proposal sets aside $20 billion. Okay. For a new program that will reconnect with neighborhoods cut off by historical injustices and investments to increase their opportunity and to create better racial equality and justice. Don't get me wrong. I am fully supportive of every single person being treated fairly, but I do not expect anybody to be treated better based on one race, race, sex, color, religion, gender, anything else. We all are to be treated equal and we need to treat everybody with respect. However, let me tell you something, spending $20 billion of taxpayer money to create an advanced racial justice and equality league. How about you take $20 billion and you set it aside for these individuals that you feel have been suppressed to put them through trade school, to put them into college, to go ahead and actually create a sense of educational and confidence that they can have within themselves if they've been underserved to actually create a better future for them and their family rather than basically calling a $20 billion, you know, justice league that basically is a complete veg 
for $20 billion. $20 billion. Think if you took $20 billion and you spent that on putting into people in trade schools and you went to underserved communities and you taught them education and taught them self-confidence and actually how to do something with their lives so that they can actually feel a sense of pride rather being stuck on the subsidization of the government. Probably be a little bit better spent. Oh, and it gets worse. Then we're going to spend $175 billion on subsidies for electronic vehicles. Okay. Now, electric vehicles. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I definitely think that, you know, putting electric vehicles is, is very, very important. I definitely think putting electric vehicles on the road is very, very important. But I also do not think that we should be spending $175 billion in doing it right now by putting us in a massive amount of debt. It's not like we have the money to pay for this stuff. We're basically having a gigantic credit card and we're spending. And we all know it's easier to spend plastic than it is good old hard cash. So spending $175 billion on subsidies for electric vehicles is probably not the best because truthfully, you know, what they're saying is the consumer tax credits have only historically benefited wealthy families, meaning the Tesla tax credit, the solar tax credits, that those in the past have only done to the wealthy people. So what they're trying to basically make sure is that we basically modernize some bridges and highways and roads for the, that are in critical needs of repair, but we're going to do that by putting electric vehicles on them. Not only we should be spending 175, and I'm not as mad at this one as some of the other ones, but it's $175 billion. I don't think it's exactly necessary right now. Now, what we're also going to be spending is basically $100 billion making school lunches greener. Okay. Now, I, okay, don't get me wrong. I am fully of support that people need to eat healthy. However, do I think we need to spend $100 billion when we're broke? Of, of the taxpayers' money to give it to public schools so that they can build out and use and be required to provide better paper and disposable materials to serve in their lunches. Okay, we're not talking about making healthier food. Don't think of greener as in vegetables. We're talking greener as in for the environment to spend $100 billion for that they can make sure that they're using more biodegradable paper plates and other disposable materials in their kitchens at their schools. How about you just make the schools do that? I don't know about you, but buying paper plates on ones that are biodegradable or non is biodegradable, we're not talking about a bigger difference in price. I don't really think we need to give $100 billion towards that. But heck, you know what? What's $100 billion of money we don't have? We'll just throw it on the tab that we're never going to pay. And the taxpayers are just going to pay for it by $6 gas prices because our dollar just keeps plummeting in value. Okay. So that's just $100 billion, mind you. Just $100 billion. So then we also are going to be spending $7 billion, okay, for basically propaganda to eliminate racial and gender inequalities. The proposal includes several billion dollars allocated to specific groups for racial and gender inequalities, making sure that in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and math, that we are providing funding for research and development to determine racial and gender inequalities. I am sorry, and you could be mad at me if you want, that is just stupid. Okay, that is just a seven billion dollars to invest in research to find out where there are racial and gender inequalities billions for research. Okay, 
I don't know about you, but I don't think we have to research where there is gender and racial inequalities. I'm pretty sure we know where they exist. How about we just do something about it and we actually create things that are going to either make people, one, more aware of you need to treat everybody with respect, or two, how about you invest in those inequalities and you invest in those areas so that you can bring up the standards of living in those communities and educate these individuals and give them jobs and create them a sense of self-confidence. Everybody is a better person when they are competent. Why aren't they confident is when they're being put down. Why? Or they don't feel like they're as good as the people next to them based on their skills. The reason why some people make less money than other people is not because of the color of their skin or if they're male or female as a majority, as a business owner. Why certain people make more money than others is the people that are getting paid higher have a higher level of skills. If I have two people in front of me and they are doing their work and I don't get to see any of them, I don't get to see their color, I don't get to see their sex, I don't get to see their race, I don't get to see anything. And all I can do is judge them based on the work that they do. I am paying the person based on their skill level. So if you want to have people make higher wages, you need to train them. You need to give them skills. We don't need to research what inequalities are being done. We need to train them. This is a load of crap. Now, the best part is on top of all of this, we have $25 billion for government child care programs. The plan includes $25 billion to help upgrade child care facilities, increase the supply of child care in areas of most. Now, I am 100% fully aware and i definitely love the fact that we're going to invest in our children however these need to be into privatized cares not public assistance cares i will tell you right now the government does not do anything nearly as good as the private sector because government spending there is no bottom line they can just lose billions of dollars and they don't care so what is the incentive for a company to run in an efficient and a profitable manner if it makes no difference, what if it makes no difference? If I lose $100 billion or I make $100 billion, I ain't getting paid anymore. I ain't, nothing's happening with me. That's the problem of government subsidies. So we need to be investing and investing into the private sector. A dollar spent in the private sector will make $3. A dollar spent in the government sector will lose you $3. And it's very well proven time and time again. So I love the fact that we are going to be reinvesting, but I do not love that it's going to government child care programs. It needs to be in put in to the daycares. It needs to be put into the schooling systems, whether it's charter schools, whether it's safe, safe places where children can be taught and they can be taught in a manner where the individuals and the parents have a choice that they are not just forced to put their kids in some government program and the government program is done where there's no cares for it actually turning a profit or making any money or providing a good service because it's the only option somebody's got put it into the private sector so i want to just wrap up with this is i'm not saying that i don't think we need some roads and schools and reinvestment but what i do not like it is the government is spending $2 trillion of money that we do not have. They have no plan to pay for it. And it is not just an infrastructure bill. Of the infrastructure, there's probably about, mm, about $800 billion worth of actual infrastructure stuff. Then there's another $1.2 trillion of crap that is being shoved into this 2,700-page infrastructure bill report. And it's being labeled as an infrastructure bill. And let's be real. 
Do you think these senators, do you think the Senate, do you think the congressmen, do you think they're going to read a 2,700-page report? No, they're not. What are they going to do? Yo, dude, are you going to vote for this? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, me too. Is there anything I should be worried about? Uh, you know, there's some weird stuff about this and that. All right, is it worth fighting for? No, nah, it's probably not because we got some stuff in there that we want and it's going to benefit us too. Okay, cool. Let's pass it, right? That's how it goes. You really think anybody's going to read a 2,700-page thing? No, they're not. That's why they make it 2,700 pages. What should it really be is it should be a 20-page report, bullet-pointed of what's being done and where the money's going for. But guess what? When you put it in 2,700 pages, you can hide a lot of crap in there, which is one of the things that they hit. So once again, this was not about a government hating thing. This was going about and showing you guys the wasteful spending that the government is going to continue to do. And it's going to get bipartisan support. And that is why it is so important more than ever to continue to invest in hard assets, whether that is real estate, whether that is Bitcoin, whether that is gold and silver. You need to be into things that have a finite supply of things because the dollars that you are earning money at your jobs for are being spent faster and faster and faster with no additional revenue being brought into this country that are going to be losing value. And if you are not taking those dollars that you are making and putting it into items that can actually outpace inflation, you are going to be losing a lot of your wealth that you're working so hard to get. So once again, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Every time I'll be real with you on this, I'll teach you everything you need to know to bring up your financial IQ. And until next time, Dollars with Decker out.